welcome back to Shout Scratch. You're listening to episode 72, Patient Confidential. Is it okay to recount patient stories? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring medical students, junior doctors and expert guests together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get to a medical school. I'm Pat, I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, and I'm also a medical student at Anglia Ruskin University. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by our friend, Nikki. Nikki, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Pat. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm Nikki. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Manchester. And last year, I was in Pat's role. So it's really lovely to be back on Sharp Scratch. Yeah, it's great to have you back as well. And yeah, thank you for like taking time out of your placement like for that one hour. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'd love to, always. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I'm also glad to introduce our expert guest today, Dr. Matt Phillips. Matt, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. So I'm Matt Phillips. I'm a consultant in sexual health and I'm a professor in GU and ethics uh, with the University of Central Lancashire. And it's great to be here. Great to have you with us today. As healthcare professionals, we meet people from all walks of life and collect stories along the way, stories of illnesses and convalescence. And when we hear surprising and interesting stories, there could be a natural urge to share them. And when bad things happen, you may need to talk to your colleagues or your family to offload it. But as we know, patient confidentiality is a core value in medicine. So what is permissible to share? And is there a way to share these stories while respecting these ethical boundaries? So I thought in this episode, we could explore a bit about um, what are the ethical considerations involved in talking and writing about patients? And also, we could discuss a bit about um, how patient stories is now becoming a bit of a popular genre um, in today's media. And I guess without digging a medical legal hole for ourselves, we could talk about, um, you know, talking about and writing about patient stories in medical education. So, you know, we do ground rounds, reflections, and also writing case reports. Um, yeah, so Nikki, is this something that you do in medical school? And what do you think about it? Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about it this morning, actually, like in preparation for this podcast. And this week, I've got my um, portfolio review coming up. So a lot mm-hmm. of that comes with like writing up things that we've seen and they have to kind of fit into certain topics that we have to reflect on. Um, and my medical school is also a PBL medical school. So I guess if you think about case-based teaching all of that comes from patient stories whether or not they were originally a real life scenario or whether they've just been kind of made up as a combination of different different patients but yeah I mean we have to collect patient histories every week and we have to present them to different doctors often they're not the doctor that's caring for that patient but we take a, a huge like full length history and have to present at least one a week to another doctor so yeah it's um I guess gathering that information and reporting it back to different healthcare professionals is a huge part of the way we're taught medicine. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's also something I I do, well, we do, I think, for our medical education. um, As as you know, patients are not always, well, no patients are identical and you learn different lessons from talking with different patients. And yeah, Matt, um, in your role, is this something that you do as well, kind of attending ground rounds uh, or uh, supervising student doctors? Yeah, it is, and it, it's it. You're quite right to identify it. It's quite a complicated area, isn't it? But of course, there's ways to 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 mitigate some of these things, aren't there? So, as a medical student, when when you're talking to someone, 
it, it's very much in the context that you are going to have to recount that to someone else to progress the patient's care. So that it's a good opportunity to say, oh, as a, as a student, I'll need to share your story so I can gain learning from it. Is that okay? So it, for me, I, I see it a lot. Um, context and the conversation is really important, um, really important. And it's always better if the person who you're talking to knows their story is going to be shared. And when you're clerking as a medical student, that, that's a, a quite a straightforward juncture at which to, to discuss and, and check that the person you're chatting to is comfortable with that. Yeah. Especially when you when you're a medical student, like clerking a patient, you always go like introduce yourself and then like oh is okay to talk to you, um, I have to ask you a few questions. But I guess when they're giving the consents, they just want to talk to you about their own case, like giving you the information so that um, you can plan the management or investigation. So I suppose what are the kind of ethical barriers that I guess we we have to tackle, say, when we want to use the patient's case then for um, a grand round or a case report? Gosh, I, I, I guess there's so many um, ethical barriers. It, it's very easy to, to go back to first principles, isn't it? First, do no harm, do good, justice. And the thing to do is when you realise you may wish to share that story, that's the time to share with the person you're going to share, you intend to share the story. Is it all right if I have a chat to you about what's going on? Is it all right um, for me to discuss that with other supervisors? Sometimes, depending on how appropriate it is for the case, it might be the chance to say, actually, um, I'm going to uh, be presenting to an audience of doctors, nurses, AHPs. Uh, would it be all right if I share your story? And that's probably, in ethical point of view, the most important thing, isn't it? Does that person know where their information is intended to go? What is often the thing that people trip upon is the granularity of that information. So it's different saying, I saw a guy in his 30s with chest pain, and I was really shocked because I'm a guy in my 30s, and it's made me feel really different, versus I saw Matt Phillips, uh, a sexual health consultant who had chest pain so it's the granularity of details that need careful consideration yeah definitely and I think that that's what I was thinking about as you were reflecting as you were speaking at the beginning there Matt about how much do you have to in your consent that you get from the patient how much do you tell them about how identifiable their case will be and what details are necessary because I was again when I was thinking about this episode obviously on this podcast we often recount mm. tales of things that we've come across at medical school that's the whole point of us sharing our mm. stories on the podcast but one thing we always try and do is remove any identifiable details and if any details aren't really important to that case or that story even change them changing things like the location the age of the patient the gender if it's not necessary to the story we often do that on this podcast just to because obviously we're quite traceable we always introduce mm. ourselves at the beginning of the podcast as to I mean, you'd be able to find out quite easily what hospitals I've been at by just mm-hmm. looking up what, where I could be sent from my medical school in my year. Um, so we always try and say, and we go a step further, I guess, because it's a media-based podcast. Um, and we try to make sure that the, if that patient was to listen themselves, they wouldn't be able to identify themselves because, again, they would recognise us. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I guess it's about appreciating the context that you're presenting in and where, where it, when it's appropriate to give extra details. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think we can all agree that um, in the like medical professional space, like sharing patient stories uh, in a yeah in a controlled and protected space is like a way that we 
learn about um, I guess each other's styles of management and um, maybe lessons that we can take away from how um, consultants or other doctors may manage a certain case. And I think in the age of social media, I think this could take a different forms. I, I don't know if um, is this something that you see on social media? Like, have you seen doctors or maybe met, um, students sharing stories on online? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like I come across it all the time. And I don't know if I'm extra on edge because of, I mean, the work that Pat, you and mm. I have done in the past. And I don't know whether I'm always like, oh God, like, should they be sharing that? I wonder, I, it always makes me wonder what conversation has happened with that patient behind the mm. scenes and how much that patient has, how informed they've been and kind of how informed can a patient really be of the context that that's going to end up being like will they ever have fully informed consent for something like that mm. I don't know is the entire post run past them bef- before they're posted or is it just oh can I post about this is that conversation even had it's it scares me a bit when I see it <laughs> is it something that you see as well Matt yeah it definitely is and I I'd I guess I, I feel very much the same as what Nick has just said. Sometimes I look and I think, that's really good. It just gets across the salient point. And I think that's the important thing. If ever you're considering sharing information, to think what needs to be shared to achieve the objective. Have you seen something really rare? So can you share just enough nuggets for people to see it's rare? Why are you sharing? That's the ethical principle underneath. Sometimes I see things and I think that's a really good thing to share because that, that's popped up in my head now. And I have to be honest, sometimes I see things shared and I think that's for clout. And that, yeah. that's not necessary. Yeah. That doesn't advance the patient's understanding. It doesn't advance medicine. That's, that's about you. And that's probably better put elsewhere yeah. than social media. I, I love scrolling on Met Twitter because you've got a lot of um, uh, doctors kind of sharing patient encounters or even um, like lessons they've learned from one patient encounter. I think it's really useful because you can't really learn those from textbooks. It's really from those unique interactions and they bring out a, a good point about um, uh, improving your medical practice later on in the future. Yeah, Do you think there are enough guidelines or um, yeah, enough guidelines that doctors are told about sharing patient stories uh, for me i wonder if tighter guidelines would be helpful I, I it's not an easy question to answer actually i think guidance are always a couple of years behind social media so it could have been written up for the guidelines from facebook and certainly the royal college of um nurses that i have published good social media guidelines actually compared to other regulatory bodies but that's with Facebook, but we've got much faster moving stuff now. We've yeah. got TikTok, Snapchat, Insta, and people are using all of these. How can we keep up with that? I think it's an abiding principle. If practitioners stick to the thing of, why am I sharing this? What's it going to add for the person who I'm talking about? Because we're all there to serve patients. What could it add for people who I don't know about yet? So it's a really rare learning point. Or is this mm. for me to try and process an unpleasant experience in which case social media isn't for me from from my personal take that probably isn't the best place to process an unpleasant experience there are other avenues that are less open to interpretation you know so what, what so you spoke about like different avenues to share experiences um what, what are the other avenues that um doctors and medical students can 
how I guess share that in a protected space and also get some advice um, from peers. It's, there's almost too many to name. Wonder most medical schools will have mechanisms that'll be tutored, and medical schools vary from medical school to another. Uh, Nikki, I'm a Manchester alumnus. I, I just get that in there, um, but from a few years before you. Um, so the medical school should normally have avenues there's the british medical association the bma has got avenues for sharing experience there are peer groups that are tighter than social media social media is very public and any time when you're thinking i might have to explain the context of this you're going too far you don't normally have to explain the context of processing a difficult experience with the occupational health department of whichever institute you're in whether that's a an NHS trust or a medical school, because there they're looking after you. The context is clear. When you're sharing on social media, things may be identifiable that you, you don't realise are identifiable, or yeah. they, may, they may just be offensive. When you're processing a difficult experience, you may use your words less carefully, and that may offend groups. So that's some of my thinking anyway. Yeah. In my first clinical year, my third year, we had clinical debrief sessions every week, which we started off every session with like, it was just our track, so four or five students and one tutor. And we would start every week with like, what's one good thing you've seen this week? And what's one thing that's perhaps not been great? And that could either be like, oh, I found this really difficult, or this consultant quizzed me and I didn't know any of the answers, or it could have been like a chance to talk about something that you've seen that's um difficult and I think a lot of people found those sessions maybe a bit frustrating because they didn't learn as much um doing air quotes which I always do on a podcast which you shouldn't but um some people found it a bit frustrating that it it wasn't like we were being taught examinable content but I think Mm. it's so important even if it was like an hour a week that we had that kind of protected time where we knew that we could speak about things that we'd seen especially because it was our, our first time being like fully immersed in clinical work yeah I agree um yeah I agree with you and um you know those sessions that you kind of just come together and talk about feelings is definitely not uh, <laughs> a popular thing no. among medical well definitely among my peers like well this is not going to be examinable why am I turning I up agree, to yeah. this yeah but oh, I think it's so important because I think those things build up especially well I think it's something that I definitely think about when I'm not in medical school or when I'm on placement you only think about it when I don't know when I go running I was like oh I yeah I, I spoke with this patient today is there any way that I could do it better but I think it's really good to speak to your peers and also a more experienced doctor maybe they can point you away how you can manage those situations better in the future um yeah, I think you just reminded me that maybe I should turn up to more of those um, <laughs> than I Yeah, than but I, I think often if you're friends with other medical students as well, you do end up doing it quite naturally. Like, mm. I recently just had a block where we stayed in hospital accommodation and I ended up eating dinner with medical students every night for about four weeks. And every day everyone was talking about, oh my God, today I saw this and today I saw this. And, and then mm. it was amazing how much we all kind of needed to do that. Um, and obviously without being like sharing too much detail mm. like again I think everyone was very conscious not to like we it's an like unspoken rule that you would never use a patient's name we would never mm. give any and I think what Matt said before about thinking about why you're doing it and the purpose of mm. why you're sharing that story and sharing that information is probably the best bit of advice I've ever heard about this um because I, I Pat you asked before about whether or not you think there's enough guidance and it just kind of made me think there probably is lots of guidance 
but I'm always quite nervous to do it or I'd be scared I wouldn't know if Mm. what I was sharing is allowed or not even if I thought about it a hundred times and asked someone else to read it for me to double check or so yeah I think having Matt's advice in mind is probably the best thing going forwards yeah I agree and and definitely when you're sharing with medical students I think it's it's a bit of a reassurance that you know that we're all medical students you all know about confidentiality so I suppose when you're sharing these stories with them you know already that they will respect that confidentiality instead of oh like oh um pat's told about talked about this i'm gonna tell this to another person etc well we'll talk a little bit more about the ethics of talking about patients but that'll be right after this indemnity you've probably not given it much thought but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective, no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, there are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week one lucky new joiner wins £183. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, you know, when patients talk to us, they would rightly assume that, you know, their conversations with doctors and healthcare professionals are are strictly confidential. And no one really expects their conversation to appear in a magazine or newspaper or even a TV series. Um, But I think yeah, doctors writing patients uh, is not new. And I'm sure we've all read at least one medical memoir in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, and so I spoke to a doctor from the Yale School of Medicine where she leads writing workshops. And um, I asked her about her feelings and on retelling patient stories. My name is Anna Reisman. I'm a general internist at the Yale School of Medicine, and I run the program for humanities and medicine here. I run the uh, Yale Internal Medicine Residency Writers Workshop, and I've been running that for more than 15 years. I encourage students and residents and faculty who I teach to to grapple with the ethical questions because it's not always clear if it's appropriate to share a particular story. And, you know, whether or not it just seems like a great story to write down, oh, this would really entertain people, this is so moving, whatever, whatever. Um, and sometimes I often say to students and residents, to, when they're writing about a patient, I say, I encourage them to try to step back and get some perspective on why, why, what is it about this story and why it resonates with you so much? What are you feeling? What are you feeling in this moment with a patient or whoever? And why might that be? How did you act when the patient said whatever it was? And I encourage them to put themselves in it to allow their vulnerability and questions and uncertainty to show. They're really, they themselves are characters in the story. And the story is filtered through their experience, right, and perspective. Mm. Um, And I say that there's not, you can't assume that people understand your perspective. Your perspective is your own, and you have to kind of make that clear through showing your own thoughts and feelings, which is not easy to do. It takes effort to step out of 
outside of oneself by kind of digging deeply into oneself, which sounds kind of mm. um, like opposites, but it's all part of the same exploration. Um, and then I would also say, um, you know, what makes these stories work, it's not necessarily writing about a, quote, interesting case and describing a patient or a case as though you're describing them for a case presentation. That's a very different type of writing than writing a personal essay. Mm -hmm. Regards with regards to confidentiality, that's super tricky, right? Patients don't expect their doctors to be mining their experiences for like cool things to write about. And I would be personally mm -hmm. horrified and furious if I came across like an essay that somebody wrote about me, one of my doctors, <laughs> like, mm. excuse me. Um, <laughs> but I actually heard recently about a therapist. Um, who actually has her patients or people who want to become her patients, she has them sign some sort of waiver that says, you should know now that I may write about you at some point. Which is just wow. like, what? No, thanks. What? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just That's crazy. It is. It is crazy. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the other thing that I want to just mention uh, as we're talking about this confidentiality and whose story is it and all of that is, is this the concept mm. of, like writing about patients and asking for permission sometime. And for a long time, I thought that that was sufficient. And that if I wanted to write about somebody, um, then I could ask their permission and tell them a little bit about what I was writing about or even show it to them. Mm. Uh, or if they had died and it was something that happened in the past, then I could reach out to a family member and kind of get their quote sign off that, that it sounded okay. But really it's, I don't know, what does it, what does it mean? Doctors have so much more power in this relationship, even if it's like a former doctor, mm. it just feels like that power differential is skewed and asking for permission is not really, it just, it, it, there's something odd about it. And I actually, as mm. I was thinking about our conversation and um, earlier this morning, I, I remembered these two essays I'd written a long time ago and published. And for both of mm. those, I had uh, specifically asked the patients, both patients had died sometime before that. And I reached out to family members mm -hmm. and got them and, and explained why I'd written the pieces and had these awkward conversations. And they said, okay, fine. Um, but I don't know, there's just like still something that feels a little bit icky about it. You know, it's mm. like checking off that obligatory checkbox, asked for, asked and received permission. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. The other advice that I give um, students and residents when they're writing about a patient story is to try to remove as much detail as they can mm -hmm. that's not absolutely necessary for the point that they're trying to make. And if you skim away all the personal details, you kind of get more down to what the truth or the, the point of the story is. And oftentimes it's less about, at that point, people realize it's less about that particular patient and more about their own reaction and how their own mm. life kind of intersects with that, that issue. Yeah. What did you think about it? Yeah. I think I thought it was really interesting that with what she was saying about, um, about the power dynamic that mm. there is between the, like the doctor patient relationship. And I think you never really like to think of it as like there being a power dynamic, but I think in this context where if you're writing about them, there definitely is. And also 
it, I was just thinking there about how comfortable I feel about it's not your story to tell often if, if it's something that's really moved you or you think it would make like a, a good story or something that will be published and make you a lot of money in the long run because a lot of other people will just find it an interesting and cool story I don't think that's your story to tell as a clinician as a as someone who was in a position of care for that person um and it's like what we were saying before like how much consent can a patient give if like how can they know what that story is going to go on to become um and and what example of it might be the um this is going to hurt series of things that became that were a book and then became this tv show that is now talked Mm. about so much and i just keep thinking about those patients whose stories are in there and whether or not they recognize themselves and whether or not they are now part of this kind of franchise of um i don't know that everyone's talking about yeah i agree um and yeah this is going to hurt is it's definitely a book that i've read and also i've watched a tv series as well i think um I think I read the book before I started medical school and I thought it gave like gave a really good insight about what medical school I mean being a doctor really is and I think um yeah I think at one point each I read a a news article I think each Tory MP was sent a copy of this is going to hurt you know to make a point about um this is our current working conditions at NHS um etc you know just to make a point about um they need to do more about funding the NHS etc but I think as you mentioned um like if the author is using kind of these stories to make profit, I guess. Um, yeah, I think those are really mu- muddy waters to yeah, navigate. Because at the end yeah. of the day, like you've been involved in that patient's care, but that that story is that patient's life. So mm-hmm. you're right. Like who? I don't even think it's a question of who owns the story. It's it's mm-hmm. the patient's story. Yeah, Matt. What do you think? Have you have you heard of the book? Um, this is going to hurt. Oh yes, and I watched the um, whole thing. I think binged it on iPlayer. Mm. Um, so. and, and I'm really connecting with what what we're talking about in this conversation. You, you, your speaker who you played before talked about mining, and I thought that was such an interesting word to use because mining is that thing about digging into some other space to profit from something because mining is profiting isn't it uh, and I, I i'm interested in how really is this the complex bit where we understand the difference because when we write about a story involving a, a patient in a medical journal and it's sharing learning we probably do derive some benefits from that you're an author mm. you gain status whether or not that actually transacts in pounds and pence that's a different thing what we're talking about is the profit that's being gained from a story that is mostly owned by the patient but you are part of the story again as your speaker mm. said it is partly your story that interaction is partly your story so i think it's a very interesting bit to explore can would i feel great if i could understand from something I saw on TV that that was me being described there. I I guess I have hope that the stories have been sufficiently changed that people can't identify themselves. This thing's going to hurt, you know, stories of um, premature labour or insufficient night cover. um, They are thankfully more common stories that may be a distillation of multiple people's stories. It's a tough question, no easy answers. And yeah, I guess that in addition to this is going to hurt, there are also other, you know, medical memoirs. And I think 
doctors have been writing about patients for years. I, I think if I could think of an example, like Oliver Sacks, um, like the man, the man who mistook his wife for a hat, I think it was called. I think those are like very unique stories as well. And I don't know, like in your field with um, like medical ethics, do you have to, do you ever have doctors come to you and seek advice on you know what is the consent process in? I suppose, writing about patients. Uh, I, I do, but again, I go back to what your speaker said, and I thought she, she made some re- fantastic reflections about even when you're seeking permission, is the power gradient too different? Uh, and I, if anyone wanted to read more on this topic, Onora O'Neill's books on bioethics explore this. It's about, is consent consent? I can cut out your cancer and leave you with a stoma, or you can continue with your cancer. Which would you like to do? Is consent really consent or is there too much at stake? And I wonder if that's the same here. Um, Would you really, if you're feeling really vulnerable and and a bit confused and a bad temperature and you don't know what's going on and it's COVID times, you don't have your family around you and the doctor says, well, is it all right if I share your story? How do we enable someone to feel comfortable to say no? So I'm I'm interested and I'm kind of only partly answered your question the the question you asked me is do i get asked yes i do get asked but should we pause for reflection has the question been asked in such a way that someone can legitimately and comfortably say no and i think that's a really important thing to think about yeah um and i think just to add to that um we also learn about consent as being contextual right and you can always remove your consent if you don't feel like uh, at this point once it's published like "Mm, i actually now especially when you see people responding to your story you may feel like okay this is not the response that i was looking for like how i suppose can you remove that in in medical publishing or in journalism in general i guess you're thinking about the right to be forgotten or 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 things like that and it's difficult because once that knowledge is shared it's shared um Mm. so again that goes if we go right to the root of this questioning it's what is the least amount of information i need to share to be able to share the point i want to make and is the what is the point you're trying to make and what's the least amount of information because if you think that by the end of it someone's going to be able to re-identify themselves you've not stripped the case back enough unless it is particularly particularly rare so that there's just some thinking to to do around that that Hopefully, if the path has been trodden carefully, then you don't really get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think um, these medical memoirs or um, how doctors share stories of patients or even their work um, has always been a a popular genre. Do Do you think that's a place for them to potentially be uh, a driver in changing the like policy absolutely uh, i mean there, there's the thing about our thought exercise around the ethics and there's a bit about the real lived experience i have not seen the poor working conditions of doctors talked about so much since this is being hurt has been filmed it wasn't talked about this much during the junior doctor strikes but there is actually a place that has provoked a conversation. Has it been, you know, so that it does have a place to um, consider. And it has a place to reveal 
because the patients are who we absolutely sense around, but there is a new ethic emerging about the self-care of doctors and medical students and other health professionals that is of such importance. And the ability to tell about your trauma you could never tell a patient about that, could you? Oh, I really wanted to see you, but it was so awful and we were understaffed and, and this went on. That would be an unkind burden to put on a patient. So where's the outlet for that? And these memoirs, if done in a good, thoughtful and kind way, may well be an appropriate outlet as we move into that new ethic that the, the well-being of the health care provider is as important as the well-being of the patient. Yeah, definitely. And I think often like the general public will think of us as like the workforce and it's quite difficult to imagine each and every person having their own struggles or like each and every individual's well-being. And I think one thing that these memoirs or this TV show, for example, has had is that it's enabled other people to empathise with like the individual characters and kind of see how they say, say, say a lot of my friends have been like, oh, so that you'll become like Shruti like the girl mm-hmm. who's the foundation doctor that's the job that you'll do soon and I'm like yeah that makes it, it helps people kind of identify the characters as real people which mm. I guess they perhaps haven't had the chance to before and I suppose now there are different ways of storytelling um, especially for healthcare professionals if you look on like um, medical YouTubers or even TikTokers do you think there are kind of new ethical barriers that um doctors or medical students need to pay attention to or do you think it's all kind of the same as writing or even just talking about it talking about patients i for me i think it's it's part of a continuum uh, it, it probably is a little bit different um a, a, again for my personal sphere i think if something comes to light and then you have to go and explain the context that is tricky. Things that need context are trickier to deal with. If you think, I told a story about how it was awful seeing someone the same age as me being very unwell. That was, that was awful. That can be told across any media because that's, that's completely the healthcare professional shame, what's important to them and the impact on them. Do you have to sh- share anything more than you saw a person who was the same age as you? No, not really. So it's a, again, it's about what's the purpose of that interaction, whether that is an interaction by writing, chatting to your pals, doing a TikTok. There is probably a little bit about the ethics of if you've given it enough thought to plan a TikTok and then post it, there's probably an expectation you ought to have put in a lot of thought about whether it should be done or not, which is slightly different from if you just catch your mates on the corridor and you say, it's awful, I've just come from this carjack arrest. And you may not have been put enough thought in, but it, you might be a bit hot and a bit distressed. If you've stopped to record and post a TikTok, you need to have thought carefully first. That's quite a deliberate action. Yeah, definitely. And also I think, because Pat, you asked about like the if, if things have changed and things. I guess previously it would have been a lot more of the kind of word of mouth and physically writing things down, which you would hope if they are ending up being published, they're read by multiple people, and there's mm. stages before they are publicised. Mm. I think the the issue that we have with sort of like medical influencers sometimes, or like YouTubers and things like that, is that it's very instant. Or if you're mm. if you're walking around a hospital and you're vlogging, you don't mm. know what's in your background or what 
might become identifiable in the in your background or things like that or once you post something it's out there it's not like as Matt was saying you, you've passed a friend in the corridor and you've made a comment to them and that it's way more traceable it's way more instant so I think that's the main kind of difference that I can think of yeah I actually haven't thought about that because um so when you see uh, people vlogging in a hospital, I mean, that's a whole different thing, I think. Um, but yeah, but sometimes if you're just telling the story of a patient with a camera in front of you, but you didn't pay attention to what's in the background, I think that's definitely something that people need to bear in mind. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's uh, the right episode to talk about whether you should have like vlog about your placement. Maybe that should be another episode. Um, as we're just like towards um, the end of the recording, Matt, what, what, what do you think would be one advice that you would advise um, medical students um, to bear in mind before they talk about patients in the future? Well, uh, no pressure at all there. Uh, but one, one piece of advice that's welcome to take, take or leave, and everyone has to live, lead an experience in their context, is just take a deep breath before you think you're going to share a story in which you're only a minor player. And if you take a deep breath and think about what is the purpose of doing it, you've, you've got it within you. You're medical students. You know what is the right thing to do. It's about giving yourself those few moments to think and do the right thing and check it out with the right people. So stop and give it additional thought. That's my top tip. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a really good advice to bear in mind. Um, yeah, and Nikki, have you got anything to add? Yeah, I just completely agree with Matt. And I guess if you have any doubts, I wouldn't post it. If if that's mm. if you're questioning whether or not it's the right thing to post, it's probably safer not to. Um, mm. But yeah, and the, I guess I guess considering that remembering that we do sometimes need to have the conversations with each other and that that is okay and what we said before about there being the right avenues to do so so if you're questioning whether or not you should post about something or post an angry tweet or a um share a story on social media and things or even via messages if if there's an opportunity for you to do that in person with the right people then take that So that's it for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to hear our episodes, please subscribe to Shout Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We have BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Shout Scratch. I'd love to hear your ideas for what we should cover later in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating or a review on wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other murdered students to find a show. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Bye. Bye.